Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out. You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to be with all of you here today. We have so much to get to on today's program. My name is John Glue, hosting today's show. John Meadows is directing and producing. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Subscribe to the channel for more Chicago Bears and Chicago sports content. You can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. I want to open up today's show with a little bit of exciting news as far as our radio affiliations go. So as you guys know, we've been with AM 1230, WJOB, and Jet TV. We have their logo on our screen also, of course, on ACTV, Channel 10, and Channel 99 over in Aurora, but really exciting stuff on the radio side. We are now on every week in Bloomington Normal. So if any of you guys, especially on the YouTube side, are from that area and know the area very well, we're going to be on there every Saturday evening, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on City's 92.9 FM. This is going to be the first show on the pro- on, um, on the radio station, which we're very, very excited, very pumped about I'm a big thank you to Kat Peterson over there, the program director, morning show host, for approving this show, putting us out of the air, and uh, that makes us officially syndicated, which is also very exciting for us here on the program. Um, So a huge thank you to Kat, huge thank you to Cities 92.9 FM. We're going to promote the heck out of them on this program, as well as all of our partners, ACTB, WJOB, and the other radio partners that we're currently in talks with and working with to get on their stations. We're trying to grow this thing into a STC radio network, um, apart from the YouTube and the podcast side of things. So their help has been much appreciated. Obviously, a big thank you to John Meadows for being supportive and helping us to edit and get out all this audio as quick as possible. And really a big thank you to all of you, your support and your audience support, whether it be here on YouTube podcast or now on radio and television, This has allowed us to grow. Our numbers are high enough to warrant stations like Cities 92.9 to want to take our show because they see the quality in it. They see the fanfare and the support from all of you. So I just wanted to open up really quick by thanking all of you. Um, We are so excited for this partnership. And like I said, you're going to be hearing about them a lot more on this program and seeing them tagged in a lot of our social media posts. We're going to do our best to be a great partner for them. And I ask all of you, to be a great partner for them as well. So if you don't know who they are, if you live in the Bloomington Normal area, you haven't listened, or maybe you do listen, tune in, check them out Saturday evening, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., and you will hear this show on their station. Awesome stuff. Well, we have some news from Justin Fields. Press conferences over at Hallis Hall occurred after the Bears debacle against Green Bay and before the Bears anticipated matchup against Tampa, which we're going to discuss in segment two of this program here today. Justin Fields made some admissions at the press conference. Fields said this, quote, I felt like I was a little bit too conservative at times during the game, definitely with guys like DJ Moore and Chase Claypool on the outside, which we have more on him in a second. 
If we do have one-on-one on the outside, potentially throwing it up and see what happens is what I should be doing. With them, they're great playmakers, and they can most likely come up with a 50-50 ball. Most likely, how disrespectful is that? Definitely want to give them more chances deep down the field. Hold on a minute. Now, I don't know the tone in which Fields was speaking, so I don't want to really kill him for this, but most likely... Your GM gave up a first overall pick for freaking DJ Moore. You're saying most likely, maybe, they'll catch a 50-50 ball? Guaranteed DJ Moore will do that for you. Don't know about Chase Claypool? As Kyle Brandt said on Twitter, I love this quote, he looked like he was sleepwalking out there. That I agree with. But DJ Moore, you could have confidence in. And I don't fully blame Fields. This is your first pro game with a legit wide receiver. Probably difficult to maintain that chemistry, kind of get that thing rolling. I kind of get that, but not good verbiage, not a good word to say there. <laughs> Potentially, they might catch it. Who knows, but maybe. It is nice to hear Fields admit guilt and admit wrongdoing. He should. He sucked. It was horrible. But I want to address this, too, and this was brought up by a couple of you in the comment section on YouTube, which I appreciate It is worth saying it wasn't all on Fields. And if I didn't make that clear last week, maybe I was just so enraged with how bad Fields did. But I did say near the beginning, it was a failure by everybody. I want to make that clear. This was not a, wow, Justin Fields totally blew the game. It was his fault that they lost 38-20. Not even close. Who gave up the 38 points? Why was the offensive scheme so bad? Why was Cole Komet charged with running the football on a third and one in the first quarter? I mean... All of these things go back to coaching. They go back to Luke Getze and his dumb offensive system. They go back to Matt Eberflus for allowing and enabling Luke Getze to call this dumb offensive system. (laughs) Goes back to the offensive line for not really protecting fields as well as they should have. Even goes back to Ryan Poles for not addressing the offensive line enough. And yes, it goes on fields for turning the ball over. Throwing a pick six in the fourth quarter. Last year threw five interceptions in the fourth quarter. Now this time threw one already to start off the season. Pick six, points scored, game over. This was not a Justin Fields only issue. This was a team issue. Everybody top down failed. Everybody top down screwed up. And the result was a Bears horrendous loss week one after all the hope they built up. And the offseason. I don't want to continue to reflect on that. I think we've done enough yelling and screaming about how bad that game was. But as I read these quotes from Fields, as I react to this press conference, it's just worth putting all that out there. It wasn't only on him. A lot of it was on him, but not all of it. But, yeah, Jordan Love did outplay Justin Fields. Justin Fields did record two costly turnovers that led to points in both cases for the Packers. There were things that he did wrong that hurt the team. We see all the film experts now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, putting out all these long, hour-long videos talking about how many times Fields missed D.J. Moore downfield, missed potentially Chase Claypool downfield, missed Darnell Mooney, and all that's true, too. Fields held onto the ball way too long when he had time. Fields was in duck and run mode instead of throw the football mode. And Fields consistently advocated for the check down, not the deep ball. And that was a problem. So Fields doesn't 
So Fields doesn't avoid blame. Let's put it that way. He doesn't avoid blame, but there is blame to go around. And I appreciate him kind of owning up to it as best as he could. Now, Chase Claypool, that's an entirely different story. And when I saw this news, I was unbelievably happy. Now, my fear is that he's going to be replaced by Bayless Jones Jr., but nevertheless... Matt Eberflus did say and kind of confirmed that it's not guaranteed that Claypool's going to suit up for the Bears next week. Sunday, Chase Claypool may be a healthy scratch. Here's what Eberflus had to say on Claypool's performance. You all saw the plays that, and again, the perimeter blocking needed to improve for all of us. And we're going to get that, work hard to get that done. We're looking at all possibilities right now. I'm not going to talk about who's going to be up or down for the game right now for obvious reasons. We're looking at all things to improve our team, who's going to be up and who will be down in terms of the active roster. What the hell happened to Chase Claypool? And this guy, four or five years ago, when even Big Ben was still around, was a 1,000-plus yard wide receiver, had a long, promising career ahead of him. I mean, he was the number one that year for the Steelers. And now look what he's been reduced to. What makes it worse is look at what the Bears gave up for him. Essentially, essentially, a first-round pick. They gave up the second-round first pick for Chase Claypool. Ouch. He could have gotten better receivers for less of a pick. Cardinals were trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins for a sixth or seventh-round pick. They cut him. He ended up signing elsewhere. (laughs) Could have gotten DeAndre Hopkins here in Chicago with a pick like that. Traded. Instead, you bring in somebody who just, I don't even know what the issue is anymore. I tried to advocate for him. I tried to stick up for him last year, kind of coming in midseason, learning a new offense. There's tumult. There's a quarterback situation. Justin Fields trying to improve. They're tanking. Tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, but clearly we're past that. What we saw on Sunday was horrendous. He doesn't deserve to suit up ever again in a Bears uniform, frankly. Now, he's going to have to because Ryan Poles traded for him. There's money involved, and Ryan Poles is going to look like a fool if they just sit him the rest of the year considering how much they gave up to get him. Same with the Bayless Jones thing. Like, Bayless Jones, one of the first offensive players that Ryan Poles drafted. That's why he's not cut, even though he can't catch a freaking football. And I love Ryan Poles 97% of the time. But there are 3% of the time, or 3% of times, when I don't agree. And this I don't agree with. Get rid of him. He clearly does not want to be here. Clearly does not care. Clearly is not happy. And clearly maybe doesn't even want to play football anymore. And that's great. But don't let that attitude seep in to your on-field performance because you're hurting the Bears. You're, you're, You're causing them to lose games. And everybody, oh, he's in the midst of a contract year. He's going to be better. He has to be better. Well, clearly not. Apparently, he doesn't even care about that. And if that's not motivation enough for a pro anything, pro football, baseball, basketball, if that's not motivation enough to play well, then I don't know what is. I don't know what's going to move the needle for Chase Claypool to actually give a damn about playing football. No clue. So I hope that Matt Eberflus benches him outright next week. Healthy scratch, healthy and active, see ya. And same with Bayless. Bayless should not ever touch the field again as a bear. Maybe they could 
activate EQ St. Brown, at least he could block. I don't know why he was actually inactive last week because he's one of the better blocking wide receivers on this team. And then Eberflus just said in the press conference, they need to work on their perimeter blocking. Why wasn't he playing? My suggestion would be you sit Claypool, you let EQ play, and you still sit Vanless Jones. But clearly, this is a big issue. And part of it's on me, part of it's on a lot of people who thought that Claypool would be a reliable WR3 for this team. Really not much to ask, considering at one point he was a number one wide receiver at a young age with a storied franchise in Pittsburgh. He was a number one, and he was projected to be a number one for years to come. So I don't think it was too much to ask to assume and say, okay, he'll be a great number three, one of the best number threes in football. I really thought that that was going to be the case. Maybe 700, 800 yards, a couple of touchdowns, good safety blanket for Fields, on top of Moore and Mooney and Roshan Johnson, Cleo Herbert, but no. No. It's been an abject failure. Abject failure from Chase Claypool. I am unbelievably disappointed in his performance. And if these performances are going to continue for the Bears, if these performances are going to keep moving forward, things like Justin Fields, Chase Claypool not wanting to be there, the offensive line struggling, the defense giving up 38 points to freaking Jordan Love, then we have an issue. Because this team's not going to win any games. If they played like this, like how they played last week, this week and moving forward. They aren't going to win any games. They're going to be a 0-17 team. <laughs> <laughs> they play like this, no chance. They, they got nothing. They got nothing. We talked about the bright spots during the game. Last week, there were very few. Roshan Johnson looked good. Cairo Santos made a couple of kicks. Yannick Ngakwe had a sack and a tackle for loss. About after that, that's really it. There was nothing else. Nothing else to hang your hat on if you're a Bears fan. That is scary. If your top three players, and no offense to them, because they've actually played really well, but no offense to Cairo Santos, Roshan Johnson, Yannick Ngakwe, if those are your top three, if that's what you hang your hat on after a game like that, you're in big trouble. If Justin Fields is not a part of that conversation every single week, you're in big trouble. Big trouble for the future of the quarterback position for your franchise, and big trouble for your results in 2023. And in both cases, the Bears are in huge trouble as they move forward. I don't know what the future holds for them. Sunday will tell a lot about how much they're going to bounce back and improve from such a horrendous outing week one. But I am very, very concerned. And a lot of you are too. I mean, every day we're getting comments on YouTube, and I'm talking hundreds of them, of people saying, I'm concerned, I don't have faith in this team. And that's kind of scary to say after week one. After a year in which there was so much hype, and not just from the media, from Ryan Poles himself, because he spent so much money on this team to improve it, to make it better. What about all the money he spent on the defensive upgrades? What about all the money he spent even on running back with Deontay Foreman? They drafted Darnell Wright. They did so many things that seemed to be right, and yet they played like that on Sunday. They're in huge trouble. And this Sunday, in Tampa, against frickin' Baker Mayfield, that's going to tell a lot about this team. And that's going to show where they plan on going and what they plan on doing. I'm concerned. I'm worried. 
and I wish them the best. These comments, though, from Eberflus and Fields, and now this performance from Chase Claypool, though, should have everybody wondering and keeping that in the back of your heads as Game 2 of the season comes up. Keep that in mind as we move forward. This is Sports Talk Chicago. We're going to be right back. Sports Talk Chicago, here with John's Glow. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Remember, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago as well. And hit up our sponsor, Amish Country Farms. John Meadows here, directing and producing. John's Glow here with you, hosting. Big shout out to our great affiliates across the state of Illinois and state of Indiana. WJOB AM 1230. Cities 92.9 making our debut here Saturday evenings, every Saturday evening. 6 to 7 p.m. And, of course, ACTV out in Aurora. Appreciate all of you tuning in. And, of course, you can always find us on YouTube. We are nearing the 20,000 subscriber mark. Everything will help. We would really appreciate your help as we kind of move in that direction. The Bears have a game tomorrow, don't they? Bears are going to be playing against Tampa in Tampa for really a make-or-break opportunity. No, I'm not sounding overdramatic. After the game last week, I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered, and we're going to find out some answers to those on Sunday. Talked about this last week for a little bit on our program. Pretty serious question we have here. And something that I think was not discussed enough, but should be. Is Jordan Love better than Justin Fields? Now, some Bears fans may balk at that statement. What are you talking about? It's Justin Fields, John. Oh, Justin Fields is so good. He's such a highlight real player. Well, Jordan Love beat his ass. He beat the Bears' ass on Sunday. You can say what you want is the truth. And I don't even like saying it. I hate admitting it out loud, but it happened. There's nothing I could say to refute that statement. Justin Fields made more mistakes, turned the ball over more, which led to more points for the opposition. And the Bears' offense looked horrendous compared to what Jordan Love was doing. Now, you can blame that on scheme, but you can't blame the turnovers on scheme. You can blame them on Justin Fields himself. So now we come to this point where I think every week it's going to be a running joke, and not really a running joke, but kind of a concern. And I'm going to say this now as we preview this Bucks bears game. What happens if Baker Mayfield wins? What, what are we going to say? if Baker Mayfield outduels the Bears' defense and Justin Fields on Sunday. And I think that's where Bears fans are at. What is going to happen if Justin Fields loses to Baker Mayfield? It's a fair question. I don't want to know the answer if he does lose, because it's not good. This time last year, everybody was hyping up Justin Fields, and somewhat rightfully so. Highlight real plays. Tons of running. Team was competitive with him in the game. Remember, they won, started off the year, opening week, beat the Niners at home. There was a lot of hope and a lot of excitement, and if you criticized Fields, you were kind of cast out and thrown away. One year later, if you criticize Fields, you're popular and you're cool. We've been doing it for a long time. We've been cool before it was cool to be cool. (laughs) we've been criticizing his performance and his play for a while. That's not because we're trying to disparage what he's done. He's done some great things, but there have been issues. There have been things that are problematic that need to be corrected that have still not been corrected. He 
struggles throwing the ball downfield. Now, whether that's because uh, play calling or because of his eyesight and his ability to get the ball down there, that's a question. He misses tons of open wide receivers, which we saw last week on the tape. And he's always in duck and run mode. And that's okay. That's okay if he is. But sometimes it's unnecessary. You don't need to be running all the time when there are people open downfield. You don't need to be scrambling 24-7 when you may have a receiver downfield open. Just doesn't make any sense there. These are issues that need to be corrected. Fields is in year three. If he doesn't do this by the end of the year, I say his butt is gone. Needs to go. And that's not because we're trying to be mean. It's not because we're trying to bring him down. It's because if you're ineffective, there's an opportunity for the Bears if they play horribly again to draft a new quarterback. The Bears passed last year on Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. They passed on a decent quarterback class. That's okay. Ryan Poles believed in Justin Fields. Good choice. Fine. But you're going to pass on another good quarterback class again if Fields just does what he does last year? If he doesn't get any better, if there's no progress, if this team is bad? can't do that again and this might just be week two but I say all of that to make the point that if the Bears lose week two to the Bucks, I don't care if they're on the road or at home to the Bucks and frickin Baker Mayfield we have a serious problem on our hands the Bears should be expected to win I'm going to give you my pick in a little bit I don't think they will win but they should be expected to win there's no reason why why not the Bucs are in turmoil themselves. Now, they beat Minnesota last week. That's because hint, hint, Kirk Cousins made mistakes. Kirk Cousins made three turnovers, turnovers, two fumbles, and a pick. And that led to Tampa Bay winning. Baker Mayfield made less mistakes. That's why they won. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing this week for Fields, for Mayfield, for the Bears, for the Bucs. I firmly believe that the team that makes less mistakes is going to win this game. Simple as that. And that even applied to last week, too. Jordan Love, three touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles. Justin Fields, pick six, fumble, which led to points. Bears lost. The team that makes less turnovers is going to win on Sunday. The quarterback that makes less mistakes overall is going to win on Sunday. I think the run game is going to be key, too, for the Bears, especially. They finally started to utilize Roshan Johnson fairly well last week. Will they do that this week? And how will the Buccaneers stack up in the run game? I still think the Bears overall on paper, talent-wise, have a better run game. Bears have three competent running backs who can easily all gain four yards per carry minimum. Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, and Roshan Johnson. Roshan and even Herbert proved last week that they could catch the football, and Roshan's a great blocker, Great pass catcher and great runner. The run game is clearly in the Bears' favor if they utilize it to their advantage. The offensive line needs to be better. And the Bears' defensive line needs to be better, too. What happened to the pass rush last week? Yannick Ngakwe had the one sack and a one tackle for loss, and that was it. They barely even pressured Jordan Lump. He had so much time to throw. For his first start in the NFL, it must have been a cakewalk for him. No pressure, no worries, barely any knockdowns even, let alone sacks. So much time with the pocket, look what it led to. Three touchdowns, no picks for him. Will the Bears pressure Baker Mayfield? Because historically speaking, I like Baker Mayfield, he's turnover prone. He really is. 
If you get to him enough, he will make a mistake. Multiple mistakes. <laughs> or just be one. He will make mistakes, and teams usually capitalize off them. Like Justin Fields, he's a losing quarterback with a losing record who's been around the block a little bit. After the Browns got rid of him, went around to Carolina and the Rams last year, and now is on Tampa Bay, frankly, fighting for a spot. I was talking to somebody about this today. You know, Baker, had he not played well last week, he could have already gotten benched. Not kidding. I mean, Kyle Trask, who now is a third-year quarterback who's never started a game in his life, is right behind waiting. There was a quarterback battle in camp in Tampa. Nothing is guaranteed to Baker. One starter could be gone. I don't know how tight they're going to hold that leash. If the Bears beat up Baker Mayfield, we could see a new quarterback in the second half on Sunday. It's very possible. So Baker is on a game-by-game basis right now. Nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's promised to him. Nothing's on the table yet. Can the Bears get to him and break him? Can the Bears force him to throw four picks in a half? Can the defense come through, create some short-yarded situations for the Bears' offense and, and move forward and score? Take the pressure off Justin Fields a bit. Allow the offense to kind of do their thing and not have to worry about always playing catch-up. It's a team effort, and the Bears are more than capable of winning on Sunday. They're more than capable of beating Tampa. Tampa lost Tom Brady. Tampa almost fired. Well, they did fire, actually. They fired Byron Lepwich, but, you know, now they have Todd Bowles still there. I mean, they've gone through change, Tampa. They've gone through significant change in the offseason. I mean, you go from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield being your starting quarterback. The fact that they're 1-0 is really a miracle for them at this point. Use that if you're the Bears' motivation. Break the Buccaneers. That should be the theme for this week. Pretty catchy. Break the Buccaneers. Break the Bucs. That should be the theme. That's what they should be doing. That's what they should be focusing on because they could do it. Any team could do it. And this is not supposed to be disrespectful to Tampa. I mean, they won fair and square last week over Minnesota, which goes to show you how strong they are, which we predicted way back in the offseason in May and June. We knew Minnesota was going to be vulnerable. And now we sit here today with this opportunity and this situation. You have a chance, if you're the Bears, to really come back from the Packers debacle and make a significant statement. Because I'll tell you what, some people may be still hesitant if the Bears go one and one and they beat Tampa and they dominate, but you know what? That's a big deal. Coming off a horrible week, a tough loss, how do they respond? How do they move forward? Because Tampa won too. Somebody has to lose this weekend. And if it's not the Bears, that's a statement win. That's an exciting win. That's a win that could help them right the ship and move forward. But if they lose and they start 0-2, and they start 0-2 losing to Green Bay with a brand-new quarterback and Tampa with a brand-new quarterback, two teams with quarterback instabilities, two teams who, before the year began, really had no idea what their identity would be. If they lose, we have a significant problem on our hands. We really do. You lose to two teams who essentially have two backup quarterbacks starting because they don't know what their quarterback situation is and you lose? <laughs> My goodness. Talk about a disappointment. It's really bad. And I won't accept it. My final score prediction, though, 
because I don't believe in this team at all. And the Bears have to prove to me and have to show me that I'm allowed to believe in them again. Bears are going to lose 17-14. I picked 17-14 Bears lose on Sunday. It's going to be a low-scoring game, I think. I don't think it's going to be a slugfest. Because Banker, as good as he did last week, they only put up 20 points. They barely won, and that's just because they made less mistakes. And the Bears put up 20, but really it was 13 or 14. The last touchdown was in garbage time. This is going to be a low-scoring game. This is going to be who makes less mistakes wins. This is going to be a situation where the run games for both teams are going to be tested, and also the pass rushes for both teams. How does the Bears' offensive line do? Can they defend Justin Fields better? Will the Bears' defensive line actually make a play on Baker Mayfield? Will they cause enough pressure at least to force him to throw interceptions and make mistakes, which he's capable of doing? Will Justin Fields hold on to the ball more? And will the Bears outright win and silence some critics, including myself? A lot is riding on this game. There's a lot to be concerned about here. I don't think I'm overreacting. Oh, John, it's only game two. You know what? After how last week went, if it goes like this again, and this is Justin Fields' third year, and the Bears spent all this money in the offseason, and they lose to Baker Mayfield, who had no team and no interest as early as February, we have a problem. They can't lose. And if they do... You're going to hear me talk about and bash them. They deserve it. You cannot lose to Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You just can't. And if you do, we get a big problem. We get a huge problem on our hands. This will have ramifications for the rest of the season at this point. You cannot lose. I can't say it enough. You cannot lose. Losing this game is unbelievably bad. I'm very concerned. I have a right to be concerned, and I really hope the best for them. But I don't see them winning. I think it's going to be a 17-14 loss. have to remember, too, that you could tune in with us on YouTube Sundays. We do the game broadcast live. So come to Sports Talk Chicago, tune in with us, and hang out with us as we watch what could be a very tough Bears game coming up. We'll be right back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Thanks for watching and listening. Back here on Sports Talk Chicago. Appreciate everybody tuning in as we discuss the Chicago Cubs and how they've been doing. Subscribe to the channel at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. And hit us up. Hit up our sponsor, Amish Country Farms. We got John Meadows in the building, directing and producing, doing all the heavy lifting behind the scenes. I'm John Zaglou. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Uh, Quick reminder, quick shout out to our great friends, our great affiliates. The show syndicated now. AM 1230 WJOB, and also Cities 92.9 FM down in Bloomington Normal. Our new, brand new partner. They're going to be airing us every Saturday evening, 6 to 7 p.m. We are very grateful to be on their station. And we're very grateful to bring Bloomington Normal some hardcore Chicago sports talk. (laughs) I think you guys will enjoy it. And I know we're excited for this amazing partnership that we get to be a part of. So thanks for being here this evening as we finish up are bashing at the Bears and talk about some Cubs stuff. Have to say I've been pretty disappointed with the Cubs lately. Cubs have dropped a lot of games recently to the Colorado Rockies, as if that's even possible. The Cubs lost a series to the Rockies. 
Rockies, one of the worst teams in baseball, one of the worst teams in the National League. Chris Bryant, who has barely even played in a Rockies uniform and who is, by all accounts, a waste of money for Colorado, beat up the Cubs. And this Cubs team, who currently clings to a wild card spot as we get to this late season stretch, lost a series to Colorado. Justin Steele still dealing, pitching well. Second in all of baseball in ERA at 249, 16-3 record. Cy Young Award favorite, kind of. Blake Snell put up a great performance the other night. But Jamison Tyone got rocked again. Marcus Stroman still hurt. Albert Azale got hurt. And Drew Smiley out of the bullpen has still been difficult to deal with. Also, Daniel Palencia, yikes. Not doing too well. You know, on one of the radio stations out here in Chicago, there was an interview, and one of the hosts challenged David Ross on Daniel Palencia, and Ross just went silent. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Somebody, for once, to their credit, which I can't even believe they did because they're a rights holder, they actually challenged David Ross. Finally, somebody's not kissing up to him. Just on a side note, I hate kissing up to people just because they're a quote-unquote legend. Okay, David Ross may have a special place in Cubs fans' hearts. Oh, Grandpa Rossi, 2016 World Series. Hey, guess what? It's 2023, and you're the manager, and your team sucks right now, so you deserve to be questioned as to why things are going wrong. Probably didn't expect that question, and you know what? If I was in that press conference or in that press room, there'd be 20 questions right to his face that he'd have to answer, and he wouldn't like them. He'd probably kick me out. So the Cubs lost two out of three to Colorado. I think it's time to sound the alarms a little bit. Now, they're probably going to make the playoffs, and for them, that's a huge success. I'm going to make this clear. Huge success, great stuff. I'm actually excited for them because everybody a couple of years ago trashed Jed Hoyer for doing the right thing and trading away all the crappy Cubs players who were part of that 2016 team. And I love that he gets vindication, and pretty much every day, because If you notice, every day there's a viral Javier Baez strikeout. Not kidding. Go look at Twitter. Every day there's talk about Chris Bryant being on the IL again. Every day there's talk about Anthony Rizzo having a concussion and not playing and not being himself since May. And early in the season, every day there was talk about Wilson Contreras hitting 200 with the Cardinals. By the way, Kyle Schwarber has a negative war, too. All of these players whom everybody loved, whom everybody gave all the credit to, whom everybody cried about and yelled at Jed Hoyer for letting go, all suck. Jed Hoyer made the right decision in the moment, decisive executive, and look where the Cubs are today. Had they held on to all of those players, do you understand where they would be right now? 65 and 97, guaranteed. Guaranteed. He made the right moves at the right time, and told everybody, shut up, I know what I'm doing. And he does, because this Cubs team with this new core and this young and exciting core is good. They're not great, but they're good. They're going to make a wild card. Probably going to get bounced in the postseason, that's okay. And come next year, they're going to be ready for more. They can still spend money. They could bring in another superstar bat. They need you know, more power on this team. Really? They might re-sign Cody Ballinger. Who knows? They need another one or two starting pitchers, and maybe Alzelay will be the closer. Good. This team with some reinforcements financially are going to be better next year. 
Guaranteed. So I don't want to disparage them too much because what they've done up to this point, pretty remarkable. I didn't expect the Cubs to make the playoffs. Many people didn't. Many people said, oh, if they don't make the playoffs, it's a big problem. No, I didn't expect it. They made it in 2020. They decided to do a rebuild in 2021. And now in 2023, just really two years later, they're back. A two-year rebuild. It took Theo and Jed six or seven years to rebuild this team. Jed and Carter Hawkins, whom the Cubs took away from Cleveland, did it in two, two and a half years. That's impressive, and that's a credit to them. But late in the season, losing two out of three to one of the worst teams in baseball, not a good luck. And not good momentum as you go near the postseason. So I have some concerns there. I think the Cubs' main problem, even come postseason time, is going to be starting pitching. Because after Steele, it's kind of up in the air. Kyle Hendricks has been okay. But after that, you have nothing. Stroman's been hurt. And Tyone and Smiley together, each of ERA is over five. Javier Saad's been all right, albeit not a full-time starter. And after that, you have Wisniewski, who's been pretty bad. Jordan Wicks has been good, though, in his four starts. So, I mean, you, you know, they don't have enough depth, starting pitching-wise, to make a long run in October. And we're kind of seeing that even now. The wheels are kind of falling off here late in the season. Guys are getting tired. Guys are getting hurt. Marcus Stroman, Alzelay. And they're losing key players. And then the players they have to replace them are just not performing. On the field, everybody seems to be healthy, which is good. But even that, some guys are just not performing as much as they were before. Nick Madrigal's kind of hit a slump recently. Ian Happ's hitting 241. Got to be careful with some of these situations. Pete Crow Armstrong's been great, but if you notice, he's 0 for 8 to start off his career. Now, I think that's just temporary, but that's a concern, too. They called him up to try and get a late-season push, and I think he is a quality player, whom, by the way, the Cubs acquired for Javier Baez. They, they got Pete Crow Armstrong, top prospect, for somebody who strikes out 200 times a season and somehow is still employed. Great move by Jed Hoyer. But he's not doing too well so far at the plate. So I am conflicted, and I am concerned a bit about this Cubs team. They can't be losing games like this and losing series like this late in the year. They just can't. It's not good. It doesn't look good. 78 and 69, really, after losing two out of three to Colorado? Come on, guys, you're way better than this. And they lost Arizona a decent amount, too. They lost three straight to Arizona. These are games you got to be winning. These are teams you should be beating. I'm okay if you're losing five out of your last seven to a combination of, like, I don't know, the Blue Jays or the Orioles, Rays maybe. You're losing games to Arizona, who's hanging on by a thread in the NL wildcard race, and the Rockies, who've been out of it since April. If you can't beat the teams you're supposed to beat, especially this late in the season... How are you going to go on a run of the postseason? How will you even make the postseason? The Cubs don't have a spot locked up yet. They still got to at least win out somewhat. They're at 78 wins now. They got to win minimum seven more games to clinch a spot. Minimum. Seven more. 
they're cutting it really close. And I just wish that they could be doing a bit better down the stretch when things are more important and tensions are heightened, clearly. But I will say, and I don't want to be picking on them too hard, they are young. They're trying to get their act together. And no matter what, as long as they make the playoffs, I'm happy. I mean, they've been playing way above expectations, although people expect more out of them somehow with this team. It's just not possible. They're doing a good job considering what they have with them. And really, and if we really want to get into it, David Ross has been a reason why they've lost more games than one. I mean, David Ross has cost the Cubs a couple of games with taking guys out at the wrong times, making dumb bullpen decisions, taking guys out of games and putting in dumb pinch hitters. That's all David Ross. Mr. I can't answer a question because it's a tough one and I don't want to answer it. I mean, expect to be critiqued if you make a bad choice. And nobody, nobody, and I'm going to continue to do, nobody's giving Jed Hoyer credit. Nobody's coming out and saying, hey, I really love what he did. I remember 2021, and it was the right decision. No one says that, which I just, I don't understand it. Do, do people not follow what those players are doing? Do people not go out and say, wow, look at Chris Bryant. Look at Javier Baez. Look at Anthony Rizzo. Maybe Jed was right. Look at Kyle Schwarber. Man, talk about another weird case. Everybody still loves Kyle Schwerber for what he did in 2016. Everybody still gives him credit for what he did. Everybody still says they shouldn't have gotten rid of him. I don't want a leadoff hitter on my team hitting 181. I don't care how many home runs you hit. Your war is negative. (laughs) I can't believe we have to have this conversation. That's like Adam Dunn being a leadoff man for your team. Adam Dunn hitting 159 with the White Sox being a leadoff man for your team. That, that season that he had, compare that to Kyle Schwarber, then make him your leadoff guy. Horrible. People are still obsessed with him and that old team, and I just don't get it. I respect that team for winning, but it goes after 2016. The respect ends when 2017 and that season began. Respect went out the door because it's a new year and a new team and a new opportunity, and they couldn't cash in. Trades galore. Trading away prospects to the White Sox for Jose Quintana doing all these things, pulling out all the stops, and they still sucked. And it took them firing Joe Madden first to then understand, wait a minute, maybe it wasn't Joe, it was the players whom we quote-unquote love. It took years of underperformance and unwillingness to change to finally say, wait a minute, it might just be these players. If we get rid of them, we'll be better. And everybody cried and whined and said, no, don't get rid of them. We need them. We love them. They're legends in Chicago sports. And now look where they are today. Had some people gotten their way, this team would literally be a 100-loss team right now. The Cubs are where they are today because they made tough decisions two and a half, three years ago. They made unpopular decisions that people didn't like. They went against the grain, against the narrative They sucked it up, and they said, no, we're going to win tomorrow. And look where they are today. This is one of the more likable Cubs teams I've seen in a while. 
because they have a bunch of guys who were not expected to do much. I mean, Mike Talkman coming out of nowhere, career journeyman. Seiya Suzuki, signed from Japan, really not too many expectations around him. He's come on as a play. Cody Bellinger, who I trashed and I'll admit it. One year, $18 million deal. I said that was a ripoff for somebody who hit 159 last year. It turns out he's a dark horse MVP candidate. Won't win, but may get votes. May get second and third place votes. Justin Steele's a Cy Young Award winner, in my opinion. Dansby Swanson's playing all right. And Nico Horner leads the Cubs in war after getting an extension. There are a lot of players who are outperforming their expectations and doing a hell of a job at it. I just hope they can do better to close this season. You don't want to go into the postseason on a lull. Having a tough stretch, having issues, and kind of lagging behind. Because if you have no momentum going into October, you're going to lose out first round. I'm not expecting this Cubs team to do much, but end the year on a high note because you have a lot to be proud of. You have a lot to play for. I'm very enthused and excited for what this team could do next year, for sure. And I just hope they finish it out well. Congrats to Jed Hoyer more than anything. Not David Ross. Jed Hoyer. He did things the right way. He made the tough choices early. He shut everybody up. And this team is where they are today because of him and him alone. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to today's program. Big thank you to John Meadows for directing and producing, taking care of everything behind the scenes. I appreciate all of our great affiliates, WJOB, and of course, City's 92.9 FM. Great to debut with you on this Saturday evening. And we're looking forward to the next couple of many Saturday evenings, I should say. You can subscribe to the channel for more Chicago sports content at Sports Talk Chicago. Follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. And hit up our sponsor, Amish Country Farms in Orland Park. Hang out with us every Sunday, by the way, exclusively on YouTube as we broadcast every Bears game, play-by-play, and commentary from myself right here on the YouTube page. Stay tuned for that as well. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. Until next time, so long, everyone.